DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 18 years ago, DJ and PK debuted on 1280 The Zone in a conference room <laughs> with mics just stuck on a table. Here, lean over. <laughs> Usually they're on this arm and it's suspended and they kind of swivel around. <laughs> nope, nope. We just plugged him into the wall. Go, guys. Where's our producer? He's around the corner and you can't see him. That's awkward. But we got past all that stuff, and here we are. We're legal now, man. Anything we say can be held as against us in a court of law. 18 years old. <laughs> we could get drafted. <laughs> 18 years. Here's to many more. I really appreciate doing the show with you all these years, and I hope we have several more. That would be good. I'm in favor of that. You getting a little feedback there from the people? Well, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, you should have it too. Uh, I went on during the break and looked on Twitter, and there was some uh, funny stuff out there, particularly one that when you look at it, you will see, you will notice uh, the author of it, and you will laugh. Okay, I'm I'm rolling through them here. There's a lot of coming in. We're still getting a lot of people... uh, uh, tweeting at me what, about which t- one he is referring to, and okay. you will laugh when you see okay. it. Okay. A lot of people are tweeting at me about uh, the TV shows they watched last night from the last segment. Uh, Randy Dotson, who we both know from uh, the world of golf, Fairways Magazine, and all that, he says, The wife and I have been binge watching Scandal oh, yeah. three to four episodes yeah, a night. Sure. Don't judge me. <laughs> uh, that's funny, Randy. Don't at me. I won't at you, Randy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Jason says the key to your 18 years has been pandemics. <laughs> Come on, man. That's kind of a recent thing, Jason. Uh, I don't even know if I ever heard that word until the last few weeks. Uh, Colton says the key is the rapport you guys have with each other. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, I'm so willing to acquiesce. You're right. Uh, Lindsay says, your patience with your co-host. He's obnoxious and annoying, but in an oddly charming way. <laughs> That's funny. That's not the one, though, is it? There's another one coming. Right. Yeah. I do have a lot of patience. <laughs> this is a good one. No, 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 no. Oh. It's the one oh, this It's is... the one right after Robert Schloss. Oh, really? Uh, Jacob says PK's ASU insider status. Yeah, yeah you'll see. Man, yeah. Uh, this is a good one. The real K. Will says DJ put, 16 minutes ago. DJ put the D in awesome and longevity. You guys had me back in the webcam days when DJ was rolling around on the desk to like a virgin. PK's just awesome here, regardless. I look hot in leather. What can I say? <laughs> uh, a former producer tweeted at us. Terry says, Gross. DJ relentlessly promoting his LDS values while PK finds new ways to respect and honor the local culture. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Terry South. At the Terry South. <laughs> I've learned so much about this here. Yeah, it's uh, he was a producer. We've we've only had two since we've been uh, after we made the first move from 1280, which was in 2007. 
So what are we, what's that, uh, 13 years? And we've only had two producers, Terry and, and uh, Yawk, right? That's it. So he was with us in the beginning, yeah. And he taught me, he, he, what he says there is actually true. You taught me a lot, and I've, bec- I've come to respect and honor the local culture. And, I've, and some of my friends now, they're Latter-day Saints, and I really appreciate and respect what they do. How many producers do we go through in the early days? Jason, Jake, Scott. Two of our four producers are now doing shows with us. And I'm, I'm missing somebody, aren't I? In the early days before Terry. Did Nate produce the show for a while? I think he did. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Whoop, whoop. Yes, he did. Uh Jason, and then um, what was the kid from Channel 2? Chris Holden. can't remember his name. Chris Holden's down in Arizona now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. His physical comedy was hilarious. <laughs> he was. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Um, What else have we got coming in here? More people hitting us up. Uh, John says he's been listening since the MJB in the morning days. That's going way back. Monson James and the Booner. That's when you were doing filling and getting your foot in the door. Correct. Yes, I can recall doing... uh fill-ins at that time i was making myself available because it was something with sports radio was always a dream of mine and uh, when gordon got in and both of us were working for the watchdog i thought oh man i don't really like gordon but if i suck up to him maybe it'll help (laughs) and it worked (laughs) oh man uh, we're getting more people who are uh, hitting up with stuff they watched last night. I wonder if you've watched uh, any of this stuff. You ever seen Ozark? I've heard people talking about it. I know a lot of people like it. I haven't watched it. But Richard was watching that last night. Okay. Big D watched Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Epic movie. That is definitely a top ten movie for me. Epic. <laughs> yes. Now we've got these twin threads going back and forth. Alan just tweeted at us, the key to the 18 years that you guys have been on the air, how about Big Rick? And then he's got the uh, winking emoji. Who's Big Rick? Uh... The Rick Majerus impersonator? Big Rick? Oh, oh, the impersonator, gotcha. Yeah, that was funny back in the day for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the secret's out on that now. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that we need to to uh, mask Tim Lacombe doing yeah. his impersonations. Tim's talked about it on this show. And Tim just... Times, and he yeah. had them. Yes. Tim just tweeted at us. Amazing guests. Thank you, Tim. You're the man. 
<laughs> Blair, Blair's a longtime listener, and you will know immediately that he's a longtime listener because of what he tweeted at us. Blair Red at Coach Red at Red Coach says, uh, Red? "I came for the king, and I stayed for DJ and PK." <laughs> No. <laughs> I think that was the other way around. But I guess, well, he came on after us, but he had his own show before we started. So I guess there's something to be said for that. Yeah, Barry King he's speaking of. Yep. Uh, he, he, Barry King was one of a kind, that's for sure. Absolutely. They broke the mold when they made Barry King. Who did he do the show with for a while? For a while he did it by himself from Chicago. Yes. He was doing social distancing before we knew what social distancing was. He would do the show in Chicago. and uh, Steve Roa. Yes, Steve Roa. Why don't you tell the BYU quarterback story? That was, a, that was an interesting week. <laughs> a good week of radio, though. <laughs> DJ, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, Why? Why are we going to have a problem? Had, and then you uh, laid it out for me. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he called one morning, was all hot and bothered, insisting that Gary Croton... Uh, was going to start Brett Engeman. And they had a bye that weekend. and uh, Or he was, he was going to start, uh, what was the other kid's name? Ben Olsen uh, against uh, Utah State, I think it was. And so he was going to start Olsen. Olsen was redshirting, and they had, he had told the players and the team that he was going to start him. But that was like on a Thursday or Friday, and they, had, they didn't play that week. And I think it was like a Friday night the following week. And so he insisted that we break the news. And knowing that And so I said to Barry, I said, well, you know, I know you're sure about it. And the great thing about it is that you can go with it because I'm not going with it. (laughs) Because he's got three or four days to change his mind before practice resumes because they give him the uh, weekend off when you have the bye. And so... Uh, sure enough, he came on there, and he went with it, and he was sure. And I don't doubt that he was right, but as it turned out, he didn't. Olson didn't. Not only didn't start. Things told me, don't trust Gary Croton to stick with the decision that he was going to make nine or eight, eight, eight or nine days ahead of time, because he might change his mind. And whether he changed his mind or not, I don't know. But I thought there was a possibility, and Roa was all hot and bothered by it, but I wasn't going to go it on our show. And we didn't, and it proved to be the correct Yeah, it did prove to be the right thing. And I remember you telling me before it all blew up that he wasn't necessarily wrong, but that it was just too dangerous. And that was the second time, that was one of the two times, that was the first of the two times probably, if I'm getting the order right, where... Timing really mattered. And it was one thing I learned that I I really did not know in the 90s, but I absolutely know now, is that when you get really close to a story, you would think, I did, you would think that improves your odds of getting it right and nailing it. But when you get really close to a story and you have sources that are either the newsmaker themselves or right next to the newsmaker, you have to account for situations changing and people changing their mind. you got to be careful when you're that close, 
the timing is critical, and you can't you can't get in front of it and lead because people change their minds. And Kyle Whittingham going back and forth between BYU and Utah was another example of that, I think. And I think that that BYU quarterback deal in that day was another example of that. And I've always been careful about that since. It's like you might end up being second, but that's a whole lot better than being wrong. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're going to take a break. Jane Brugler, NFL draft writer for The Athletic, is joining us, joining us coming up in the next segment. And we will talk to him about the local guys going in the draft, how quickly will Jordan Love go, how many Utes are going to go in the first two or three rounds, how's that going to play out. We'll talk with him coming up next, see what he thinks, see how he thinks the quarterbacks are going to shake out. We talked about Tua Tagovailoa this morning. I, I really think he's going fifth or sixth in the draft at the latest. Uh, the the Dolphins are drafting fifth. The Chargers are drafting sixth. Both of them seem like they need to take a young quarterback. So you might have some questions about his health and his hip, and it's certainly in an odd year. You're not going through the normal protocol and all that, getting to check guys out and having your doctors look at him. But he's too talented, and three of the top six teams need quarterbacks. And I think you have to factor in maybe a team, you know, there's always a chance you have a surprise and a team will trade in at the end, too. We'll talk with Dane about all that coming up next. Matt Bushman, BYU football senior tight end at 9 o'clock on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Major League Baseball issued a statement that reports about the league putting all 13... 30 teams in Arizona uh, might be getting the cart before the horse a little bit there. MLB has actively considered numerous contingency plans that would allow play to commence once the public health situation has improved to the point that it's safe to do so. A statement reads, while we've discussed the idea of staging games in one location as one potential option, we have not settled on that option or developed a detailed plan. Arizona freshman guard Nico Mannion, son of Ute and jazz player Pace Mannion, has declared for the 2020 NBA draft. He was second team all Pac-12 this season. Tampa Bay Buccaneers debuted new uniforms that will harken back to their Super Bowl era uniforms. Tom Brady under center with a new look. Top of the wire brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing for your plumbing, heating, air, and electrical needs. Call 801-833-3333 or go to actionplumbing.net. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 18 years, PK. 18 years together, and what is the reason we have lasted so long? Devin says it's PK's Donald Duck impression. You do Donald Duck? What? <laughs> it says PK's Donald <laughs> no, Duck you impression. Do. I do not. <laughs> oh, man. oh, you do Kermit or one of those. No, I do Kermit, sure. Uh, Donald Duck. You do Kermit, don't you? Uh, Kermit the Frog. Okay, yeah. that's close enough. <laughs> it's not close to Donald Duck. Yeah. 
It's close enough. <laughs> hey, Travis Turner. Remember Travis? Trav, what up? He says, I, too, am proud to have been a part of DJ and PK. He interned for us. Tell Yawk to play some talking heads, take me to the river, and see if PK will take his shirt off and dance around the studio again. Then we can see if we can go get some Gandolfo's breakfast sandwiches. All right. Way to go, Trav. <laughs> you remember, yeah, thank you, Travis. Remember taking your shirt off and dancing around? <laughs> oh, man. No. You really don't? I did that? Yes. I don't, no. Uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah, you did. All right. Many uh, times <laughs> for some extra income, but no, I don't remember doing it on the show. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brent says the reason you guys have last, lasted 18 years, lack of competition. Just kidding. Humor, knowledge, and knowing your audience. That's probably as good a short uh, answer as any. Screw around a little bit, know a little bit, and know the audience and know what they want to talk about. Uh, I would agree with all those. That makes yeah. Uh, next man up at URJ Ball says, I have no honest idea why you guys have lasted 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we don't really have to explain it next man up as long as it lasts 18 years. All right, DJ and PK, it's time to talk NFL Draft. Dane Brogo writes all about it for The Athletic, and he joins us right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint, making it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Dane, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing well. Uh, there are a lot of things to talk to you about. Some of the uh, local guys we're curious about. But first, let's start at the top of the draft. And I guess the big question mark, Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, Alabama, he's in the spotlight. We've all watched him play in big games. And it seems like a huge question mark. What level of confidence do you have that he will go to Miami at number 5 and be a Dolphin? And what other scenarios are in play? And how much do you think they, they are realistic? Well, I don't have any confidence that that's going to happen. I don't know how anybody could, except uh, unless you're the Miami Dolphins, you know, because there's just there's too much unknown out there, uh, especially with not not only just the durability factor, the medicals, but you throw in this past month and everything that's happened. So no pro day, no visits. Um, you know, those are the type of things that teams rely on to get a lot of information. So. Uh, when it comes down to two, it just comes down to uh, how how risk adverse are you? Um, you know, how willing are you to take that chance? And if you are, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's not just in a vacuum. It's with the context of you know Justin Herbert from Oregon. Um, you know, assuming Joe Burrow goes one, like we all believe he will then who's going to be the next quarterback off the board? Uh, do you take the risk of going with uh, Tua, or is the gap? close for you, close enough, where it's worth going to Justin Herbert, um, who has his own issues, has some some things he needs to work through, but you know, at least he's a guy that has a better resume in terms of uh, being a four-year starter and relatively clean uh, medicals. Uh, so there's just so many variables involved with the process that I don't know how anybody could have any confidence uh, that two is going to go in the top five 
or to the Dolphins. Um, if I had to bet on it right now, I'd say there's a better chance of Justin Herbert uh, going to Miami at five uh, than Tua. But, uh, you know, we have two weeks left, and so we're going to certainly learn a lot here over these next two weeks. Even if everybody is healthy, isn't with still a risk no matter what? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, I, when you talk about uh, drafting quarterbacks, uh, you know, there's uh, it, it's still a risky proposition in the top 10 first round. Um, and you, Joe Burrow is going to go number one for a reason. You know, he's coming off arguably the, the best college football season for a quarterback we've ever seen. Uh, but now after that, you, you break it down, and each one of these guys, there's something to worry about. With Tua, uh, you know, he's a guy that likes to extend plays, uh, and with that, he takes hits on his body, and his body has not been able to hold up, whether it's the hip, whether it's, uh, you know, he's had procedures on both ankles, um, and there's, there's other medical stuff going on. And so you have to worry about him holding up for a 16-game schedule. That just – that. That seems unlikely. You throw in Justin Herbert, who uh, he was never, as a four-year starter, he never earned first or second team all Pac-12. Uh, you know, he was never that guy that just took over games and dominated. He's just, he's very solid. Um, you know, he would make plays, but then he'd also kind of make a play that left you scratching your head. And so there's just, there's, there's things that are missing from his evaluation that you just wish you would see when you talk about investing a top 10 pick in a quarterback. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to like about these guys. And I throw Jordan Love in there too out of Utah State, uh, coming off a season that was pretty disappointing, uh, compared to what he did in 2018. So with all these guys, there's reason to be encouraged. There's also reasons why, you know, it would it be a surprise three years from now if we look back and they end up being a bust. Do you think the Chargers with a six pick are committed to a quarterback too? That would make three of the top six QBs, or do you think they might go another direction? Yeah, I think if we, I think that certainly makes sense. Tyrod Taylor right now is basically the only quarterback on their depth chart, um, and so it would it would certainly uh, make some sense if they went out and drafted one of these guys at, at number six. If uh, Herbert does go five, then Tua sitting there at six. You know what's what's their tolerance for risk at that point? Is that do they see that as uh, worth the gamble at that point? Um, and that's something that only the Chargers could answer. Uh, you know, again, without these pro days and all that, it's just it's tough to make that prediction. But right now, that would be my guess. If I, I'm coming out with a mock draft later this week, and it's going to be Joe Burrow one, Justin Herbert five to the Dolphins, and it's going to be Tua at, at number six to the Chargers. Uh, but you know, over these next two weeks, hopefully, we'll be able to find out more in terms of where each team sits with these quarterbacks. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Jordan Love. What have you heard about NFL teams? What are they saying? What do you think? Um, what do you think they're thinking about the Aggie quarterback? Uh, it would be interesting if he had, if the season that he had this year, 2019, if you flip that with his 2018 season, you know, it would just be fascinating to see how we would be talking about Jordan Love if his sophomore year happened as a junior. Um, and, you know, he went from struggling to this really impressive year. Because as a sophomore, 32 to 6 touchdown interception ratio. Um, this past year, 20 to 17. Um, obviously, that's not the direction you want to go. Uh, so it, it's something that is brought up quite a bit when talking with teams. Um, it just, you know, why the dip? Um, you know, is this, it, you, you hear positive things about him as a person. Um, the skill set is uh, exactly what you want. Uh, you know, his movement skills, his arm, his release, 
but you know, so from a physical standpoint, you you like the loose passing skills, the arm talent. But right now, he just doesn't have a great feel for tempo uh, with his progressions, uh, reading the defense. He just is going to require time uh, to develop mentally, and that's just that's always tough at the NFL level. Um, you know, we saw him at Utah State start to press a lot when his team needed a play, um, and it's you know he's the only guy on that Utah State offense that is you know a future NFL player. Uh, so you know it. it it, 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 it understandable why it would take some time or you know, he would want to press and make a play and that led to mistakes. And so, you know, do you give him, do you forgive him for that and say we can develop him? Um, you know, that's what teams are debating uh, and debated throughout the process. So uh, Jordan Love's going to go somewhere in the top 40 picks. Um, you know, he could slip to the second round, kind of like Drew Locke did last year. Um, he could still go first round. Uh, he's going to go somewhere in those top 40 picks and, uh, landing spot's going to be huge for him. If he's able to go to some place like, say, Indianapolis, uh, they've got the second pick in the second round. Whether they trade up into the back first or they stay put at that, that second pick in the second round, I think that'd be a great landing spot for him going to uh, an offensive-minded head coach, an organization that's going to be real, willing to build around him. Uh, you could learn under Phillip Rivers for a year, maybe two. I think that would be an ideal fit uh, if Love ended up in uh, Indianapolis. Another guy everyone here expects to go really early is Jalen Johnson, defensive back out of the University of Utah. They should have a lot of guys drafted. Uh, Are you pretty sure he'll be the first one, and do you think he'll be in the first round or the second? Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if Jalen Johnson was not uh, the first Utah player uh, drafted. Uh, He has a chance to go in the first. I think you look at the teams that are drafting in the late first round, a couple of them make a lot of sense for Jalen Johnson. I think Kansas City sitting there at the 32nd pick, uh, I think that'd be a great fit uh, with what Kansas City's looking for. And then what Jalen Johnson has to offer, um, I think that would be a, a great marriage uh, with the player and the team. And, you know, with Jalen Johnson, he's a guy that I, I would like to see him be a little bit better of a finisher, uh, needs to continue his development with his instincts. But the athletic traits are there. He can ride defenders up and down the field. The competitive mentality, the professional approach that he brings, those are all selling points that are going to help him go pretty high and um, uh, you know, I think the, the, the better debate might be who's going to be the next Utah player drafted um, after Jalen Johnson. Is it going to be Bradley Anai, who had tremendous production uh, at Utah, but doesn't really have a lot of the traits that teams are looking for, ran a 4-9 in the 40, shorter arms. You know, where, where, does that drop him to you know, late second, early third? Um, you know, is, is, who's, who's going to be that next Utah player drafted? I think it's probably going to be Anai. But you throw in Trill Burgess, who's got a good chance to be a third-round pick. Lucky Fotu could be there in the third round. Um, you know, I, I think that Zach Moss has uh, the durability issues might hurt him a little bit, but still, a guy that is such a productive running back, he's going to be off the board somewhere in that third-round range. So I think that Jalen Johnson is going to be the first Utah player drafted, and then probably Bradley Anai is the next one, and then you know, there's just a group of really good Utah players that. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Certainly going to be well represented on uh, draft weekend. You know, when you talk about Johnson to the Chiefs, Andy Reid and Kyle Whittingham have a tie going back to the BYU days. So, yeah, boy, if, point. If, if Andy would ever be convinced that he knows every last detail there is to know, it would be after talking to Kyle because uh, I think there's, yeah. a, there's a relationship and a lot of trust there. How many total Ute players do you think are going to get drafted? 
Uh, you know, I think you look at it, and uh, it, it starts with uh, Jalen Johnson, obviously, Bradley and I, Lucky Fotu, um, and Terrell Burgess, Zach Moss. I think those five players have a shot to go in the top 100. And then at, on day three, that's when you're looking at Francis Bernard. Um, so, okay, that's that's six. Um uh, let's look on the defense. I think a uh, defensive tackle, um, you know, Lucky Fotu uh, is going to get drafted early, but then I also think John Penasini has a shot late. Uh, so that'd be seven. And then you go uh, to the secondary, and it's not just Jalen Johnson, obviously, and Terrell Burgess. You know, they've got a few other guys back there that could uh, possibly get drafted late with Gidry, who obviously is track star. That's going to help him. Um, so he, he's got a shot. And then Julian Blackman's interesting coming off the injury. He's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. So when it's all said and done, uh, you know, there's a good chance eight, you know, probably nine players from Utah going to hear their name over draft weekend, which is just tremendous representation. Uh, there will be plenty of SEC teams, Big Ten teams that don't uh, don't reach half of that number. So uh, Utah will definitely be one of the teams we hear a lot on draft weekend. You think Jalen Johnson is a first-round guy? Yeah, I think he's uh, he's right on the cusp. I, I think when you, you break it down, Jeff Okuda from Ohio State's top corner. I think C.J. Henderson has established himself um, as a number two corner uh, out of Florida. And then that's where it gets debatable. Uh, you know, some teams I think are going to look at Trevon Diggs from Alabama. You know, over 6'1", 205 pounds, really good athlete. Um, you know, ball skills for days. Uh, Trevon Diggs is going to be highly rated by some. AJ Terrell from Clemson, uh, another guy, six one, uh, two hundred pounds, good size. Um, I think you throw Jeff Gladney in there from TCU, Christian Fulton from LSU. Uh, there's just a, a, such a mix of different types of corners um, after those first two that it's really a, a widespread, uh, you know, differing opinions throughout the league about who's the order of these corners. But Jalen Johnson's right in there. And so I think, you know, you look at the late first round, some of the teams that are picking there in the late first, it would certainly make a lot of sense uh, to see uh, Jalen Johnson sneak into the back half of round one and, and go to one of those teams. And even if he doesn't go late one, he's going to go early two. He's not going to have to wait very long to hear his name called. Dan Brugler joining us, NFL draft writer for The Athletic. We're going to have Matt Bushman, BYU tight end, on in a few minutes. There were some thoughts that he might go. He's decided to come back for his senior year. And I know once a guy's out of the draft pool, that you know that's not your priority now. But I wondered if you had heard about him, what teams liked, what they want to see from him, uh, since he's going to play another year of college football. Do you have anything on him? Yeah, well, you know, he, I was a little surprised that he did decide to go back, you know, being, uh, you know, he's already married and, you know, he's uh, a little bit of an older guy being, uh, you know, a little more mature. I thought he might be ready for the next level, but, um, and he's got that interesting NFL connection, his father-in-law being Chad Lewis, uh, who obviously a, a great resource uh, for him and, and a former NFL tight end for a lot of years, certainly something, someone who can help him um, in terms of, uh, developing his route tree and just getting better as an overall tight end. Uh, you know, with Matt Bushman, there's there's a lot to like just physically. He looks the part, uh, like the way he can snatch the ball. Um, he he looks really balanced uh, in his routes, and then after the catch, uh, you know, he can bounce off tackle attempts, uh, be more than just a possession guy. He can do a little bit after the catch. 
Um, so going back for uh, another year in 2020, just want to see more production out of him, especially in the red zone, um, to become more uh, more polished with his route running to create that separation, um, work the middle of the field. So I, going into next year, he's definitely on the short list of tight ends that NFL teams are watching. So um, you know he, he's definitely a guy uh, to watch for the 2021 draft. Do you think receivers are more valuable in terms of being drafted higher than running backs are right now? Oh, I don't think there's any any question about that. With uh, the way that the NFL is set up currently, and just the simple fact that at one at any one moment, you're likely going to have three or four receivers on the field compared to you know one running back, and so the sheer numbers, uh, you know, we're going to see higher volume of receivers drafted early just because you can get those guys on the field uh, where teams are, uh, you know, so occasionally they'll put two running backs on the field at the same time. Uh, but for the most part, you're going to have one. And, you know, you're, you're looking at a position that, uh, you know, has shown year after year, you can find talent later in the draft. And so, uh, you know, we have some really good running backs this year, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, LSU. These guys are all first-round quality players who might not go in the first round because uh, just being squeezed out at the position. Um, and you know, meanwhile, we're going to see uh, four or five, maybe six receivers go in the first round, and then plenty more throughout day two and day three. Uh, wide receiver, uh, we we might set a record this year for most receivers drafted. Where running back, there's certainly talent in this class. In terms of uh, where they're going to go, though, that that's the kind of the question mark. We, we might not see them go as early as we have in the past. Dean, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming in and talking a little uh, NFL draft with us. All right, anytime. Thanks, guys. Dane Brugler, NFL draft writer for The Athletic, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. They've got huge auctions in Meridian. Right on the edge of Boise, they do some really big auctions. Not the storage auctions, but, oh. but sightseeing Oh, auctions. yeah, yeah. Because honestly, you go to one of those storage unit places up in Idaho, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you don't want that. All right, this meth lab goes for $100. I don't understand all these bottles of iodine. Wow. Yeah. You're going deep. I had a girlfriend that was arrested and put in prison for a long time. Um, so Wait a minute. No, you Wait know that. <laughs> I know know it. Uh, My first kiss went to prison for 30-some-odd years for... It's true. ...a very large meth lab. That's kind of a rough first kiss. This kiss, this kiss, unstoppable. This kiss, this kiss. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, we are joined now by Paul Lindbergh from Serta Pro Painters. Paul, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Great. Happy uh, 18th anniversary. Thank you. It's been a while. Thank you, Paul. We're now legal, as PK likes to say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So Serta Pro Painters has been a, been around a while, too. You guys aren't exactly in your first year of business here. 
You're a vet. No, we've been here for, I think, 26 years now. I've owned it for going on 18. But, yeah, we've been around a while. Oh, 18. See, it's a good number. you got something in common right there. So you're, yeah. uh, you're locally owned and operated. Explain to people uh, some of the advantages that come with that as opposed to being a, you know, a big conglomerate. We're just a lot more nimble. You know, uh, all of us live and uh, contribute to the local economy. Everybody that works for the company is here. If you call the phone number, you're getting somebody local. Um, the reason we put that out there is sometimes people misunderstand that and they think that we're kind of a national company. And, and we, we are a franchise, but we are locally owned and operated. Everybody that works for the company works for the local group. And, uh, you know, we've got people that have been working for the same company for years and years and years. So the key phrase today in today's world is being able to re- work remotely. Now, I know as far as estimates, that is something you guys can easily do, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we were working on that anyway. And then with this whole COVID-19 thing, it was just perfect timing. We, we do, you know, with the advantage of some technology, we've been able to... Uh, do some of those remote estimates. We're just uh, kind of early on. We've done a few of them, and, you know, it's great because people can walk around with their phone, and it's, it's just like we were there, um, you know, meeting with them and, and uh, finding out what their painting needs are. And uh, I know people get concerned about, you know, maybe having somebody in the home right now, but you do a lot of work on exteriors, and uh, that, that can get pretty tricky. You know, I don't know if PK and I should be up on ladders two stories in the air anymore. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you probably want to leave that to us. But, yeah, exteriors, uh, you know, we're doing everything we can to socially distance. We're um, and making sure that the crews are keeping themselves apart as much as possible and, and clean and everything. But on exteriors, you know, uh, there's never been a better time to get your exterior done. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a slowdown here. We're anticipating it. And when we get through this COVID-19 thing, which we will, I think a lot of people are going to start wanting our services and, you know, are going to unfortunately have to wait a little bit. But for exteriors, we can keep apart. You know, we can stay away from people in the house and just make sure that we're uh, doing everything we can to keep them safe. Okay, then how about the interiors, too? Because obviously you're going to keep every precaution necessary and take every precaution necessary to keep everybody safe also. Yeah, we're, we're working hard. We're trying to find as many shoe covers and masks as we can get. And then same thing. We're just uh, trying to make sure that we're apart from everybody. But um, we've, we've had some pretty good success doing that. So interiors, you know, I think a lot of people are sitting around looking at their walls. Uh, a lot of people are home now. And... I think we're finding that some people are like, hey, we should probably refresh this place. We should probably get it updated. But on the interior, same thing. Uh, we're washing our hands. We're doing everything we possibly can to keep our crews and our clients safe. This will uh, probably crack you up, Paul. But back in the day, getting through college, I painted apartments. And one thing that was uh, done to, uh, to get through college and all that is we got in the summer months, you'd see turnover. So really, the, a lot of the interior uh, is also their empty spaces, whether it's a commercial place that's turning over or whether it's apartment that's turning over. We were usually going in and painting in empty buildings, even though it was an interior. And obviously, sometimes you paint when someone's living there. But a lot of times, it's an empty space anyway. Yeah, for sure. And there are a lot of empty spaces nowadays, right? So uh, we're, we're finding ourselves painting a lot of, you know, we're painting for hotels and restaurants, offices, uh, 
we're coming up on working for a senior activity center, um, stairwells, um, lots of common areas where otherwise there would be a lot of people. Parking, uh, you know, where normally there would be a lot of cars, uh, we're able to get in there and, and potentially even provide some discounts because we're not working around so much traffic and, and people. Paul Lindbergh, Serta Pro Painters. Tell people how they can get a hold of you online or uh, on the phone. What's the best? So our phone number is 801-747-1027, or they can call 800-GO-CERTA. That's Serta with a C. Um, Online, you can reach us at www.certapro.com. Serta with a C. Serta Pro. Go Serta. 1-800-GO-CERTA. Hey, Paul, thanks for a few minutes, and uh, good luck with all the painting jobs going forward. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep, there's Paul Lindbergh, Serta Pro Painters, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.